Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Here you go. Here you go. Except Rory. That's the nothing personal phrase of the day. It's Friday. Thank God. June 9th, 2023. Word of the day is except Rory. We're leading off with more PGA live merger fallout because this is becoming for me personally, and it's all about me on a Friday. This is the new Danny boy. This is the new Washington commanders. There is juicy content that runneth over my cup. I want to tell you that when I did segments on this, when Coke and I went through it, should we do another day on this? And the answer was, how do you not? It's the lead. People are now beginning to speak. I'm going to go one at a time to give you a perspective of what's happening behind the scenes as everyone tries to figure out how to fix the dumpster fire that was created by the mangled, pun intended, statement of the initial merger, which may or may not be a merger, which may or may not be already agreed to, which may or may not be allowed to actually happen, which was done in total secrecy. We haven't yet heard from Greg Norman, but we did yesterday. Greg Norman needs to If I'm Greg Norman's PR person, I'm saying, Greg, you look like an uninvolved figurehead fool. You didn't know what was happening. I need you to get out there right now and take charge as CEO of Live and tell everybody that Live lives. That's going to be our go-to line. Live lives. We're going to have people off the record saying it. I want you saying it on the record. Are you willing to do it? So behind the scenes, Liv has to figure out, both as an entity and the individuals within it, how they can convince us in the media or you, the public, that everything that they have done has not been in anticipation of giving it all back to PGA Tour. And so yesterday the blitz began. An executive had an opportunity to give an interview and talked about the fact that Live is based on team golf franchises. The financial model supposedly is that the Saudi Arabian fund is not going to keep pumping billions of dollars into Live Golf. Is that eventually the franchises that he's that he created that were created with Live Golf. Team Golf Team franchises will have value and they will be sold in the marketplace, like starting a league. And all of a sudden you own every team in Major League Baseball. You then have the ability to sell individual franchises to individual people and realize income 
realize return on investment. That's the theory that apparently they were going under. So what they did is they wanted to make sure that we understand that the crown prince of Bel Air is fine with however you want to describe the merger, but in reality, he's not going to give up live because he still wants the concept of team franchises. And he believes that players on the PGA will now be willing and able to join the teams that Liv has created. We can finally get Hideki and John. I would say every big name on the PGA Tour will get an offer except Rory. Nobody wants that little bitch on their team. That's a direct quote from an executive of Liv. Rory is described negatively, pejoratively, made an exception of, and used the word accept because he actually spoke out, not just against Liv, didn't take the money. Talk about scorned lovers. That's what Liv is. You didn't take our money. We hate you. But we'd be happy to welcome you on our team, except Rory. It's so disingenuous. It's not even good business. It's all emotion right now. It's all people trying to look good in the face of something that was bad. They wanted to get the word out and Liv got it out directly. We are and we will continue to be a standalone entity. It's business as usual for us this year and beyond. Live Golf, whether it's a standalone entity or not, what do you think the merger means? What are you putting into the newly formed entity unless it was just about you sponsoring PGA, so you'll be the biggest sponsor of PGA, except there'll still be a competitive tour called Live, where players get paid more and get contracts, guarantees that PGA doesn't offer. Or is PGA going to take some of Liv's money, some of the Saudi money, and use that to give guarantees to its players as a way to make them whole? Except Rory. Of course, it wouldn't be except Rory. Rory's going to be the first person to get a guarantee from the PGA Tour. So maybe that's all this was. Maybe Jay Monahan knew from the beginning that a merger wasn't going to happen and that this was all about trying to fund the PGA Tour in order to increase the purses. Does that make sense? Is that how you'd go about it? It's absolute insanity. Another live official came out and said, we don't know the details because this is the beginning of the M&A process. That's mergers and acquisition. There's just a lot to be worked through in the coming weeks. I think a lot of our questions will be answered, but the big picture, and this was their talking point yesterday, live is not going anywhere. When Viacom bought and merged with CBS became Viacom CBS. CBS didn't go anywhere. Viacom didn't go anywhere. There are mergers and acquisitions. HBO Max became Max. Does that mean HBO went anywhere? When you've got Sirius and XM, as we talked about when this first happened, it became Sirius XM. So in theory, there's a scenario where it becomes the new entity with it, which is called PGA Live or PGA Lives instead of PGA Dies or I don't want to say that in case someone from Saudi Arabia is actually watching. Do we have anybody from Saudi Arabia who watches this show? So then the rumor started that Phil Mickelson is the one behind the, the M&A deal. 
and that he is going to somehow get credit and then stop playing golf and then become maybe a TV analyst for live or for all of golf. And he comes out looking like a, a rich King. I find it all to be strange. So I want to get rid of this live story and tell you once and for all, the spitefulness that live is feeling the anger they are feeling the lack of involvement that actually happened with each side's constituents. The involvement of our government looking into this merger, trying to make it so Saudi Arabia cannot wash its funds through an entity in the States as best as possible, if that's even possible. All of this adds up to a final deal not being completed in the way it was contemplated on the original memorandum of understanding or the letter of intent. Often what you use a letter of intent for or an MOU memorandum of understanding or LOI letter of intent is you put down deal points. It's like putting down the outside of a house and then you fill in the guts later. And if you've got the borders of the house and you know the shape of the roof and you know many of the colors and sizes and shapes of the rooms, in theory, you can then go in and fill it out. That's the purpose of an MOU. You spell out major things that are happening. We're going to have a living room and a dining room and three bedrooms. What happened in this live PGA merger is they built the frame of a house with absolutely no idea how many bedrooms they need or want, no idea what size anything should be, what shape anything should be, and what that results in when there is such a disconnect between what parties intended and what they have agreed to before they start and finish their negotiation, what happens is it falls apart. The house example is the house just burns down. PGA Tour is getting serious. They're getting out there to say a few things. Jimmy Dunn was one of the people in the know, not Tiger, not Rory. He's a board member of PGA. He was counted on by Jay Monahan. The reason why there was confidentiality, but he had Jimmy Dunn in his inner circle. And they're all being criticized for all of a sudden doing business with the very people they said they would never do business with. I'm not as crazed about that. There are many times that you don't want to do business with your competitor. And then you realize that's the smartest business. And you end up realizing that it is just business. What I do take issue with is why PGA PR people continue to have Jimmy Dunn. What is it about him that you think he should be front facing? He met the media and he was asked about Saudi involvement because he knew scores of people who got killed on 9-11 being criticized terribly for not thinking of or talking to the victims of 9-11. I'm of two minds on that. The first mind is it would be smart to have somehow brought somebody in the loop so you can have plausible deniability when you're getting criticized like this. The second part is it wasn't my job to speak to any fans or to any people who were hurt by the Marlins, it's totally different with 9-11. It's life, death, one of the worst terrorist attack in my lifetime. Changed the world. But the criticism is not necessarily for not talking to them first. The criticism is not talking to them right as part of the announcement. 
I understand confidentiality. I understand you have to get a deal done. That doesn't change what you need to do with your constituencies. So Jimmy Dunn is asked, as all of the people are being asked, what about Saudi Arabian money? What about 9-11? So in response to 9-11, he went on Golf Channel. And this guy, the guy who Jay Monahan, making $15 million a year, believes should be in his inner sanctum. This guy looks in the camera and says, I am quite certain the people I'm dealing with had nothing to do with 9-11. If someone can find someone who unequivocally was involved with it, I'll kill them myself. He looked like a, a psycho, like a murdering psycho. Find me people involved with 9-11. I'm going full vigilante justice. Just tell me who you think it is. But everyone I dealt with, so I was picturing in his mind when he looks in the mirror and he puts his PJs on, this Jimmy Dunn guy, he looks in the mirror and he says, you know, 9-11 was 21 years ago. Everyone I was negotiating with is 35 years old. I don't think they had 14-year-olds involved. So the people who I negotiated with likely were too young. Maybe that's how he puts it in his head. Jimmy Dunn was on camera. I don't know if you've seen what the guy looks like. I never knew what he looked like until this clip from the Golf Channel. As Coke and I were laughing about this because he looks so crazy, he looks like, just so you can picture, Liam Neeson and Taken. That's what he looks like. Then all of a sudden, he's going to decide who's right, who's wrong, who did what, and he's just going to start killing people. I found it to be just terrible. So in conclusion, if you're PGA or Liv, you're still screwing it up. Screwing up things is easy when you're in sports. I screwed it up 17 of the 18 years, right? That's stop saying right. Why did I say right? Because I want I want not to feel so badly about what I did. So I want you to agree that I screwed it up only 17 of the 18 years as though somehow that makes me look better. One year I was great. The other years I sucked. Maybe the word of the day should have been except 2003. When you put your team together in any sport, you know, as a nothing personal loyal fan, delusion is my word of the day every day as an executive. Am I deluding myself or am I deluding you? Is it possible I'm deluding both? You want to avoid delusion at all costs because it's crushing. It can ruin your team. The beginning of the season is when you don't know whether or not you are going to play the way you projected your team to play. And when you don't play that way, you wonder whether it will change. When you play better than you thought you were going to be, you're waiting for reversion. When you play worse than you thought you were going to be, you're waiting for reversion. Every team who starts off differently than what they were evaluated to be is waiting for the same thing. But how long do you wait? This is the question that front offices ask themselves all the time. And now it's becoming more and more public because the media is finally asking the questions. Hey, are you a buyer or seller at the trade deadline? That's how it manifests itself in baseball. Not are you good at your job? Not your team stinks. What a disappointment. What a great upside surprise. It's what are you doing at the deadline? So trade deadline season is clearly upon us and the deadline is not until August 1st or 2nd. It escapes me right now, Coco. 
It's one. It's not July 31st. It's either August 1st or August 2nd. A couple of teams that I want you to focus on because it's going to be so awesome. And I have to start with Steve Cohn's Mets because not only were they the pick of the day, the Braves over the Mets, and we won it, but Steve Cohn has until August 1st trade deadline to figure out what he's going to do with his crappy team, his $380 million team that has two $43 million pitchers who can't pitch anymore because they're old and you lost the game of musical chairs with both of them. They've lost six games in a row. They just lost the last three with having three run leads in all of them, getting swept by the Braves. Do you remember when that series started? I said to you, this is a critical series for the Mets. They have got to make hay while playing the Braves because they don't play the Braves as many times in the balance schedule. Go back to the show of whatever day it was. It must have been the day before the series started. Well, guess what? The series is over. They got swept. They're in fourth place behind the Phillies, behind the Marlins, five games behind the second place Marlins. Forget catching the Braves. What do you do? Were they delusional thinking that when Edwin Diaz went down in the WBC celebration, do you remember that? It seems like a year ago, doesn't it? When during the WBC celebration, Edwin Diaz all of a sudden is on the ground and then out for the year. Didn't replace him except with someone on staff, David Robertson. They weren't going to get taken advantage of, and I told you that was smart at the time. Steve Cohn cannot be a seller at the deadline. The way it works when you decide whether you're a buyer or a seller is that the baseball people make their decision without the president and the owner. Then they approach the president and say, this is where our head is. Then collectively, we approach the owner and say, this is where our head is. And then the owner says, my head is not there. We're going to do it my way. That's how it works with all 30 teams. No question. Do you think that Billy Epler is going to approach Steve Cohn and say, hey, I have a thought here. I think we should be selling. If there's any way anyone wants Verlander or Scherzer, can we go to them and see if they can waive a no trade? If they got a no trade? I don't even know that, Coca. What about, should we should we just release Big Dan? What about Lindor? Any chance? Do we want to save the money and try to sign Otani? What should we do here? And Steve Cohen's going to look at them and say, listen, we're in year three of my three to five year plan when I said we're going to compete for a World Series. We haven't competed yet. This is terrible. I need to bring in the guy from the Brewers, David Stern. Need to do something. The New York Mets will not sell at the trade deadline. They can't. What about the Seattle Mariners? They may sell at the trade deadline. Remember how good they were going to be? This was their year to really go deep into the playoffs. Made those offseason acquisitions. Pretty exciting. They had the best young player in the game, Julio Rodriguez. They gave him $750 billion. Oh, no. It was a little less than that, but not much less when he had a good couple months. Do you know that he's now tied for sixth in strikeouts? They traded for the Mets prospect, Jared Kalanick. Remember the Edwin Diaz trade? Started the season off great. Mariners are looking good. Kalanick is now number two in the league in strikeouts. The Mariners can't hit the side of a barn with a beach ball. In a league where strikeouts are still happening at record numbers, you don't want 
your team to have four of the top six in strikeouts and the top three. You can't do it. So their GM is a guy named Jerry DePoto, and he was asked about it on his weekly radio show. And we are very careful with our GM when they do media. We talk to them first and say, all right, what do we want out there? How do we want it out there? Do you want teams thinking that we're selling? Do you want teams thinking that we're buying? Do you want teams not knowing exactly what we're going to do? Are we trying to get a message to the clubhouse? Let's have a purpose for what we're doing. Jerry DePoto goes on his radio show and says, and this is just being honest. How many times do I have to tell people, do not start your statement or anything written or spoken by saying, to be honest, because it means you're a lying piece of crap every other time. We could go out and acquire prime babe Ruth and it's not going to help us. We're not one player away or one magic spell from fixing this. Hmm. You mean fixing all the off-season acquisitions that you made that didn't work? Or do you mean the fact that you're trying to save your job by explaining to the owner that I can't make any moves here that are going to help, so let me make some good financial moves? If the Seattle Mariners are not sellers at the deadline, that is a bad job of the owner explaining to the baseball people what the realities are of their season. You can't have a system where only the Royals, the Tigers, and the A's are sellers, and the A's being sellers is irrelevant because they have no one anybody wants to buy. The Royals have a bunch of players people are going to want. Who wouldn't want to roll this Chapman on your playoff team if it's 2016? He's back, baby. When you have a team that you know is a clear seller, you start the process right now. You're collecting names from other teams. You have your scouts going out into their minor league systems. They're coming back to you as the president and GM. They're giving you a list. We want the following prospects from the following teams. And you match up the prospects you want from teams with the players you're willing to trade. So you put on the board that we will trade Araldus Chapman to the following five teams only for the following five packages. Then the GM goes out, calls those teams and says, I've got Chapman available. Here's the package. No, on to the next team. You rank the packages that you want for your player who you are selling. And then you give a date in your mind from the CFO and the team president when that player has to be traded because you are counting on the savings in payroll from that player being traded. Then the baseball people wait to see which deal on the board is going to happen or whether or not they have to accept less because either way, the guy has to be traded by the date that the front office gives the baseball side. So that process is exactly what's happening right now. It's happening in Kansas City. It should be happening in Seattle. It is happening in Detroit. It is not happening in San Diego. But it should be. I told you the Padres have to be trade deadline sellers because they stink. But AJ Preller said, don't worry, the team loves each other. The chemistry's good. No problems in the clubhouse. No rifts. No issues. Nothing to see here. I can't criticize AJ Preller for saying that to you because we would have our GM say that too. There's no way we're going to publicly admit that we have a problem in the clubhouse. Even though when Juan Soto was interviewed, the star they brought in to get them over the top 
it was clear that there is an issue going on in San Diego. Very clear. I wonder if the issue's name starts with an F and ends with an R. Hmm. By the way, that'd be all the names. You know, Fernando Tatis Jr. Would you be shocked if there's an issue in the clubhouse that he's a part of that now that he's back in the clubhouse? I have no information on that. I may hear from his agent telling me that I'm completely wrong and that's ridiculous. Total poppycock. He's a great teammate. He's all about the city, the community, and the players and rehabilitating his image. I may get that. And I may say in return, yeah, but really? Are you sure that he's Mr. Popular in the clubhouse now? Do you swear to God? The team loves each other. I never saw one team where all the players loved each other. Not one. It is an impossibility. Do you love your second cousin once removed? The clubhouse is full of cliques, mostly along racial lines. You need to make sure you have people in the clubhouse who can float in between the cliques. The Martin Prado of clubhouses, I call it. Someone who has the ability to speak Spanish and English. But loving each other? Give me a break. <sighs> okay. We will have more on the trade deadline. It's going to be interesting. We'll see what trades happen. Guess who's going to buy? Side note, just a little Miami note for all the 4.9% Miamians watching. The Marlins are going to be a buyer, but they're going to buy in a way that does not add significantly to their payroll because they are having a terrible year financially. And they have chosen not to lie about attendance, which is insane. They just finished sweeping the the Royals and they, they were announcing crowds of seven or 8,000 people. And all I keep thinking of is if my team were 35 or 36 and 28 in second place and everything's so excitable right now with the Heat and the Panthers, I want to show that the Marlins are hip. Then Messi gets announced into Miami. I want to show the Marlins belong in the conversation. I'm not announcing 7,000 people. I'm announcing 16,000. I'm announcing enough that would fill AAA or fill the drive pink stadium where Messi's going to play. I want people to know that we are a factor. Fake it till you make it. I know the financial position of the Marlins because I ran the team. It's horrible. They are going to buy because they believe that the only thing they haven't done at Marlins Park, Lone Depot Park, is win. And the bubble season doesn't count. 2020 does not count in the shortened season. They've got to have sustained winning, which Derek Jeter promised them. And now that he's gone, they want to see if they can do it. But the money is the money and the partners in Miami are not allowing even more payroll. Their payroll is high to begin with. So that's another category where you buy at the deadline, but don't increase your payroll. You got to give up better prospects if you're going to do that. So we'll follow it all. All right, when we come back, let's take a break, Coco. When we come back, we're going to review a documentary that I watched. And I want to tell you two things that are happening in baseball that are interesting to me because uh, you're being lied to about what's happening to some pitchers who are totally ineffective. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. 
through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400 or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425 right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's Friday. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, telling your friends about us. We're live every day, 8 a.m. No matter what I do the night before, we are live at 8 a.m. Yes, I did just get in from a comedy show at 2 a.m. I was doing someone a favor. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't a favor. It was my pleasure. All right. I want to review a documentary that I watched yesterday. All three parts. I'll be back. Is that the most famous movie line of all time? To me, it's not. But it's a really good one. There's a documentary on Netflix called Arnold. It's about the life of Arnold Schwarzenegger as narrated by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Maria Shriver, not interviewed, but pictured. Children, not interviewed. Two of them, pictured. I wonder if they were fighting about whether they were be in the documentary. Arnold discussed the fact that he had a child with his housekeeper, a guy named Joseph, who hard to hide him because he's a clone of Arnold and is a bodybuilder. One day, Maria Watt must have walked in the kitchen and said, wow, that looks a lot like Arnold's son. Arnold acknowledged his mistakes, but I had forgotten, and this documentary will reteach you in case you don't realize what his career was. The best bodybuilder in the world, the biggest movie star in the world, and the governor of California. His story is fascinating. Do we all make mistakes? Yes. Does he make mistakes? Yes. Does he acknowledge them? Yes. Do you have a tough childhood? Who didn't? Brother died young, abusive father. Not good. But in three hours, you will learn things and remember things. And that is what I like about a documentary when I know something. So there's two kinds, right? When you go into a documentary, you don't know anything about the subject. Then you're just saying, am I interested? And will I learn? When you know about the subject, you say, do I want to be reminded? Is there stuff I forgot? And is there stuff I can learn new for the first time? Arnold fits the bill. I had forgotten about stuff and I learned stuff for the first time. It's only three hours. It is very well done and you'll love it. Arnold, it's called. All right, I did that quickly because I got to get to where you're being lied to. And uh, I've told you about service time manipulation. I've unveiled to you how teams do that. I've also told you about pitchers who are ineffective, who are put on the injured list when they're not injured. 
and we had to make up an injury. Hey, just say it's your back because you can't prove it. Noah Syndergaard was put on the injured list with a blister, a blister that if he had a two ERA, he would be pitching through, but he doesn't. He has a seven ERA, maybe the worst qualifying ERA among starters this season. He's not Thor. He's not anybody. He is not even a AAA pitcher. After his most recent struggle, all of a sudden the Dodgers announced he's going on the injured list. The reason why he's on the injured list is they needed to bring up and have someone else start in place of him and they were not gonna move him to the bullpen. And he has a fully guaranteed contract. So it doesn't matter. He's getting paid the same amount wherever he is. He's got enough years in the big leagues where they can't put him in the minor leagues. So the only thing you can do is you can stick a player on the injured list. And what you say is he's injured. What you mean is he stinks. The reason the Dodgers can't tell you the truth is there's a rule against parking someone who's not injured on the injured list. I think there shouldn't be. If you want to get rid of a player off your big league roster who's ineffective, but you're not ready to release that player yet, there should be one stage in between. Right now, baseball has something called designating for assignment. When you designate a player for assignment, that's it. He's done. He's off the roster. You're either releasing him, waving him, or trading him. Done. It's irreversible. Can't do anything about it. He's off your roster. That's extreme if you don't want to lose the player. And you end up having to pay the player his entire guaranteed contract. Whether it's one year left, two years left, or four years left, or 10 years left. Doesn't matter. I believe that we should encourage teams not to make up injuries and that we should have a separate list in baseball. And it's, a, it's called the SL, not the IL for injured list. The SL is the sucks list. That's where you can park your players who suck, but not badly enough to get rid of them. So it's like the ISL the intermediate suck list. Cause if you're totally terrible, you just get released. So Noah Syndergaard is off the Dodgers. Wait to see when I tell you something's gonna happen. If it happens, great, doesn't happen, fine. I'll revisit it. Noah Syndergaard is gonna get designated for assignment. He's starting on the injured list, but at some point this year, he will get off the injured list, pitch maybe one more time, stink again, and then be designated and be done with the Dodgers. He will not be a Dodger in October. So that could be the wait to see. He will be designated. That could be the wait to see. They're both the wait to see. And certainly if one happens, the other happens. Conversely, when you've got a young player who has not yet reached arbitration, you are keeping in mind that player's service time you are trying to manipulate as best as you can to have that player's arbitration delayed. You are trying to make it so you have control over the player for as long as possible. You do not want to send down a Cy Young finalist the way the Toronto Blue Jays just sent down Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa was a Cy Young finalist last year. This is his platform year. A platform year is the year before you hit arbitration. 
The theory was that he would hit arbitration for next season, maybe as a super two. Alec Manoa has been horrible. And they optioned Alec Manoa off the big league roster. They didn't park him on the injured list. They optioned him, but not to AAA, not to AA, to their Florida complex. That's single A. You can't option someone to a complex. You have to option a player to a team. What you do is you choose the team. You get together with your GM and they get together with their development people and they say, what are we doing here? Why did he go from great to crappy? How can it be fixed? And the answer is you don't get fixed at AAA or AA. You can get parked there, but not fixed there. When you need to be fixed, we will send players to the minor league complex in Florida, bring in our pitching gurus and have him work in an atmosphere that is safe. But there's an advantage to doing it with a player like Alec Manoa. Because what you could be saying to me is why don't they just not start him, let him miss a few starts and bring these pitching gurus to Toronto, keep him around the big league team. The answer is when Alec Manoa gets to arbitration, he is going to have to fight a big slide that MLB and the Blue Jays will put into the arbitration, which is in his platform year, he was so ineffective that he was optioned. Broken service. These are buzzwords that we use to pay players less money. Broken service is now what Alec Manoa has. This option is extremely costly to Alec Manoa because you can't fight it. What players try to do is they will grieve an option if they believe that they did not deserve to be optioned or if they believe they are hurt and can't be optioned. But when you're as ineffective as he's been, there's not one word you can say and your agent will tell you that. And the team gets the advantage. They send him down, but they don't want to hurt his feelings by saying to AAA or AA for a Cy Young finalist. They send him to Florida. I love that. It's a great move by Shapiro. Get him down to Florida. Get him in good weather, hot, humid, sweaty, horrific. And then bring him back. The Blue Jays have to bring back Alec Manoa in a way that the Dodgers don't have to bring back Noah Syndergaard. The Blue Jays will bring back Alec Manoa. He's not going to stop at AA or AAA. He'll get called up right from the minor league complex. Whether or not he's fixed, wait to see. Not official. The baseball graveyard is filled with players who are really good for a moment. Alec Manoa may be that. He may have been good for the moment and he may be done. But they're going to give him plenty of opportunities to not be done. Because when you've got a player who pitches the way he pitched and all of a sudden something changes like that, you don't want to believe it to be true. Okay. Nothing personal pick of the day. First, let me make a correction. Uh, I got this from Brad. Thank you for listening to the show from St. Louis. I appreciate you, Brad. You know I do. Known you for a very long time. I actually was doing a segment the other day where I mentioned the Tommy John when uh, Coco, who had Tommy John, DeGrom did. And I mentioned that when you've got form involvement and all of the ways that pitchers try to rehabilitate it, it never works. 
And I said that Tanaka is an example where it did work, but he had to retire. And I'm totally wrong. Thank you for correcting me. Tanaka is still pitching in Japan. He's three and four with a 4-2-4 in 2023. Right now, the guy is still pitching a medical marvel. He's got a torn ligament, never got Tommy John, rehabbed it, and is still pitching. I was wrong. Thank you for that correction. I take any correction you give me. We're here 45 minutes live. I merely have a list of segments that we're doing, so I get stuff wrong. I did not get my picks of the day wrong for the second day in a row. We're back to 500, 89 and 89. We had the Braves beating the Mets, except I had Strider beating Verlander. And of course I knew it was Justin, not Ben. Verlander was horrific. And the Mets scored eight runs off Strider, maybe the best pitcher in the league. The Mets offense crushed. It is a devastating loss that the Mets had yesterday. Don't think anything other than that. Great win for us in pick of the day. Horrific loss. And I thought that Strider would outpitch Verlander. They both stunk. But for the number of games I've lost with bullpens, finally we got a walk off from Ozzy Albies. So that was a win. What about the hockey game? The Panthers beat the Knights in overtime. The Panthers, what are they, Coca? 7-0 in overtime in this playoffs, which is just insane. Are you starting to think what I'm starting to think, which is a team of destiny? When If you can just be tied in regulation, you feel like you are going to score, and they did. Panthers cut the lead 2-1. Game three is so, it's so funny. I love doing this. Game one of a seven-game series, very important to get off on the right track. Game two, you got to try to get the split on the road. Oh, we didn't get the split? Then what's the big deal? Series doesn't start till someone wins at home. Game three, someone loses at home. Game three, critical. In a 1-1 series, game three is game one of a best of five. In a 2-0 series, game three is if you go down 3 nothing, you're screwed. And if you win the game, you cut the deficit to 2-1. to one. That's like a series because you win the next game, it's tied at 2-2, two, two, and then you're in a best of three. Well, the Panthers did that. It's now two to one. If they win tomorrow night, then it's a best of three. 89-89. Let me give you my weekend picks, please. Tonight, we've got a baseball pick for you. Uh, interesting series happening with the aforementioned Mariners. And what's interesting is they're playing the Angels, two extremely disappointing teams. The Angels are not trading Otani. I'm going to keep repeating it. I'm not even doing a segment about it. The Angels, no matter how mediocre they are, and the fact that they're not going to make the playoffs, which they're not, yet again, are not trading Otani. Okay. Otani's pitching tonight against Castillo and the Mariners, and Castillo is getting plus money. Castillo, the ace of the Mariners, against Otani, the ace of the Angels. Castillo's plus 105. I'm good with that. I want the plus money in this game. Mariners over the Angels. Now let's talk about the NBA Finals. Are you excited? A critical game four. Either the Heat tie the series at 2-2 and we've got a best two of three to win the NBA championship, or the Nuggets go up three to one with a chance to clinch in five. What will be interesting to me about this game is whether or not the Heat can somehow find a way, somehow find a way to make shots. If they do that, they're going to win. And they keep 
It's like guessing who's going to make, who's going to miss. Heat plus three and a half versus Nuggets. That's my pick. All right, Saturday. I got a baseball game and I got a hockey game. So we got four picks this weekend. Nathan Avaldi has become the ace of the Texas Rangers because Jacob deGrom is finished. Nathan Avaldi has been pitching out of his mind. The Rangers are getting plus money against the Tampa Bay Rays. I get it. The Rays are amazing. I also get the Rangers are right on their t- tail as maybe the second or third best record. Nate Avaldi and the Rangers should never be getting plus money even against the Rays. I'm doing it. Avaldi and Rangers over the Rays on Saturday. And I've got a pick that will not make anybody happy in Florida. And I apologize for that. Panthers are going to have a hard time winning two in a row against the Golden Knights. So I'm taking the Golden Knights. The series may not be over, even with a 3-1 deficit, but I'm taking the Golden Knights over the Panthers. Congratulations to them. They won their first ever Stanley Cup game. But Golden Knights over Panthers in game four of the Stanley Cup. And before we adjourn for the weekend, I would like to tell you that in Oakland, people are getting nervous about their team going to Vegas. Vegas has that special session going. The reason why you didn't get an update today is no vote was taken and they adjourned the special session. They didn't stop it. They adjourned it until Monday. There's been no vote taken because they've convinced the no votes to allow no vote to be taken on the theory that maybe they can convince the no votes to become yes votes because once you vote and it's a no, that's the end of it. The special session ends. So when you don't have the desired result, you make it a don't vote at all. What that is code for is we're adjourning in contemplation of losing. Therefore, we have to do something. We have to find a way to change the narrative. The A's have done a terrible job changing the narrative. And now they've got the weekend to figure it out. Will John Fisher figure it out? Will their scores of lobbyists figure it out? We will have more on this next week because the special session going on in Nevada is still happening. There is going to be a lot of busy people on the A's lobbyist payroll this weekend as they figure out what they have to give to get some of the no's to be yeses. And the way it will end is that they will have that list that I talked to you about yesterday, the day before, of all the different things they have to give. They'll measure it out. They'll see how many millions of dollars it's gonna cost them. And they'll decide with baseball where they're gonna give in and whether they're gonna allow public financing that's lower than what they thought on a site that's smaller than what they need. Hi, it's David, the lobbyist. I know you're enjoying your weekend, but I have one thing that we need to talk about and it's the A's and it's just business. Sorry, kids, your parents will be with you in a minute. Have a good weekend. This is nothing personal.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.